This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. After Jesus' resurrection, he spent 40 days appearing to people before ascending into the clouds. We in the church tend to not make a big deal about this event. However, it is an important resource for the living of our lives in this world. In this week's message, we're going to learn three important truths about Jesus' ascension. Please stay with us. Today we're going to take one last look at how Jesus is like no other. He ascended like no other. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty, gracious God and Father, because you have defeated sin and death and the power of the devil, we stand amazed and in wonder, not only at your power, but at your love for us. Thank you for our Rescuer and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, 
reading for today is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven.
dear friends, he's like no other. Sometimes we will use that line as we're describing someone who we're absolutely impressed by. The starstruck lover, for example, who's head over heels over a young lady says, she's wonderful, I've dated so many women, but this one, she's like no other one that I've ever met. Or the sports broadcaster commenting on a promising young ball player. I've been at this for many years, and this kid's the most amazing athlete I've ever seen. He's faster, he's got great instincts, quick hands, power. He's got all the tools, and he's different. He's like no other ball player I've ever seen. In the Christian faith, we say that about Jesus Christ, that he's like no other. He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to a relationship with God but through him. There are a lot of ideologies and theologies and choices and decisions and options out there that make various claims, but as a person who has met and lived with Jesus Christ, I'm convinced that he is like no other. He is above and beyond all the rest of the options, and one's eternity depends on following him. Just think of the impact on the world. His impact has been like no other. The historian Jaroslav Pelikan says, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the most dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. We have been doing a close examination of this Jesus who's like no other during the past few weeks, and we've seen that he was promised like no other. The prophets, hundreds of years prior to his arrival, talked about him, and Jesus fulfilled those promises, those prophecies. His birth was like no other, wasn't it? He was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was true God and true man. He taught like no other with such authority, as if he knew God's mind. And he spoke truths that struck many as being absolutely upside down and like no other from worldly thinking. His death was like no other. It was not a martyr's death, but it was an atoning sacrifice that would pay for the sins of people like you and me. And he was resurrected like no other. He was dead, but three days later, the tomb was empty, and he began to appear to many, the women, the disciples, to 500 at one time. Listen, Muhammad is dead, Confucius is dead, Buddha is dead, Moses is dead, but Jesus is alive. He's like no other. And today we're looking at one last earth-shaking thing about him, and that is that he is ascended like no other. Our text, which we looked at earlier, tells us that there were 40 days of appearances. Jesus was popping up out of nowhere, here and there and everywhere. Wherever they turned, it seemed like Jesus showed up. They were locked in an upper room, and there he was. It probably got to the point where they were afraid to even look around the corner. They were expecting to see him. It was as if he was trying to teach them, I told you I'd never leave you. And now he's during that time, teaching them as well about the kingdom of God, which was his main message, that God is up to a major project to turn this world around. And he was the one who was bringing it. 
And he taught about the Holy Spirit that was to come, saying, Stay in Jerusalem. A power is going to come upon you. John the Baptist baptized you with water for repentance, but the Holy Spirit's going to bring you power. With all this talk about the kingdom and the Spirit, one day the disciples, after 40 days, said, Well, is this a time now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they were still thinking politically, establishing Israel as a world power. And Jesus just shakes his head. He says, those things are not for you to know. The times and places. But listen, he said, you are going to have the Holy Spirit come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And you shall go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And then the ascension happened. He disappears. He's lifted up. He disappears into a cloud. The modern church tends to not make too big of a thing of the ascension. You know, we make a big deal about Christmas, and we also make a big thing about Easter, as we should. Ascension tends to be treated like a poor second cousin, so to speak. Could be that we're just not sure what to do with it or make of it. The question arises, where did he go? Is it like the song, Up, Up, and Away? Somewhere off to the far ends of the cosmos, Jesus, like the first cosmonaut, is now off in the far reaches of the universe, sitting at the right hand of his Father. That lifting up and the cloud, it sounds like a holy Cape Canaveral scene to us. We're not sure what to do with it. And so maybe we play it down a little bit. The truth is, though, that the ascension is a very big deal for those of us in the Christian faith. It's in our creed. For no other reason we should take it more seriously and look at it. But the ascension, when understood, becomes an irreplaceable important resource for the living of our lives in this world now. And it's a resource that no other religion or philosophy can hold out to us. I want to share with you three truths for your consideration about the ascension. The first truth is this. Because of the ascension, I'm not abandoned. How can I possibly say that? Because as the story describes for us Jesus disappearing into a cloud, there's a simple answer to the question, what's that cloud about? That cloud he disappeared into is no stranger to us. We remember God's presence at Mount Sinai when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. How many days was he up there? Forty days. What covered that mountain? A cloud. It was a presence of God at Mount Sinai. We know the transfiguration story when Jesus brought Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to be with them. And suddenly they were enveloped by a cloud and they heard the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Jesus did not take off, you see. He's stepped into the presence of God. He's in God's space. He's in another space-time continuum, another dimension. And he is here. He's in charge of all the heaven and the earth. And that word ascension, by the way, we don't use it all that often because, like when we're climbing a ladder, we say, I think I'll go ascend the ladder. No, we say we're going to climb the ladder. You see, ascension is royal language. When Queen Elizabeth became the queen, she ascended to the throne. 
And so we say Jesus ascended to the throne. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He rules over all, and he intercedes for us with our Heavenly Father. In fact, we could say that he has made himself all the more available to us because he's transcended the limits of space and time with his earthly body so that that promise, lo, I am with you always, can be a reality in our lives as his followers. Or his statement, I will not leave you orphaned, but will come to you, can be experienced in a very real way even today. That he can live within us, actually, as it says in John 14, when he says, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. Two quotes for your consideration that I think are so great for us to consider. First one by Will Willimon. By lifting Jesus out of the first century Judea, the risen Christ of faith becomes personally knowable to every generation of believers in every place on this earth. The ascension makes every person a contemporary of Christ. My favorite Bible scholar, Harry Wendt, says, In his ascension... Jesus withdrew his visible presence from one place that he might be present in every place with all his people until the close of the age. This scene, you see, simply marks the end of the post-resurrection appearances. That act of the drama is now over. But now Jesus is really available, and I am not abandoned. No matter what may happen in my life, no matter how I may be feeling, I am not abandoned. He works in us, and he works through us, through his Holy Spirit, who speaks to us through the Holy Scriptures, teaching us. Because Jesus is ascended, we can know his presence. Actually, he'll teach us, he'll speak to us, pour his love into us, into, out into our hearts. Paul tells us in Romans, through the Holy Spirit. He is present to work in us, to shape us, to mold us into his own image through the working of his Holy Spirit. He's not ever left us. And he works through us as we become channels of his grace. As we can say with the Apostle Paul, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We actually can have a powerful impact in other people's lives as the Spirit of Jesus works through us. And he works for us as well. As he sits at the right hand of the Father, he's known as our advocate. He intercedes for us on our behalf. He's like our attorney before God. If anyone sins and comes in confession, Jesus, the righteous one, speaks on our behalf. He says to his Father, that person trusts in me and what, what I've done for them. He represents me before the divine judgment seat as God listens, he hears, then not me, but he, he hears his son speaking on my behalf. And he is busy making all things work for our good as his followers. As far as the big picture is concerned, I'm not talking about looking for a silver lining in every cloud that might hit us, but I am talking about the big picture, that in all of it, he is still working for our good. Years ago, a movie came out. We watched it at our home still at Christmas called Home Alone, where little Kevin is left behind by his family to fend for himself over Christmas. They've gone off to Europe and they forgot him. 
and he had to face the bad guys alone. Well, nothing could be further from the truth for those who trust in Jesus Christ. He is present and drawing near to us. I remember when my mother died, I was in that hospital room with her and my dad and a a pastor had come to pray with us as well. And when she took that last breath and that machine was turned off, I can't explain it, but he was there. He was with us in that room, giving us his peace. The second truth uh, that we find in this story is because of the ascension, I am summoned to action by this king. This scene marks the end of Act 2 in the divine drama of God and the beginning of Act 3. And guess what? You and I are in it. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we are called to be his witnesses. We're summoned to action. His last words he he gives them before he ascends. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, telling others of what God has done in you about the kingdom and uh, restored relationship with God that is is possible through repentance and then receiving forgiveness for our sins. We're called to point to Jesus. And the great thing, not only that he's done in our lives, but he's done for the lives of all people. And the angels affirm that in this story. Why are you standing there looking up? They said to the disciples. Now is the time to look out to the world around you. You have a mission. You'll see Jesus again. No standing around for the people of God. Jesus had told them that already anyway, when he described in one of his parables about a master who leaves the servants in charge and tells them he will return. But in the meantime, they have their assignments and they're to do their job. And you do have what it takes, and so do I, because the Holy Spirit of God is in us. We can tell people, can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? Let me tell you about the person who gives me peace like no other person can. And the last thing, finally, we know the end of the story, don't we? That's the third truth. You're going to see him again someday. The third truth is, I am going to see him again someday. He's in charge, you see, directing history towards an end. History is his story, and he is coming again in the same way he left, suddenly and visible and this time glorious, and he will have the final word over this whole shebang called world history. When history comes to an end and Jesus reappears, we know every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord, some with great joy and others with a sense of terror because they missed it. Story of an old guy reading the book of Revelation and his friend comes by and says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, yeah, tell me what it says. And the old man looks up from the Bible. He said, you know, what's Revelation about? simple. God wins. There's a summary of Revelation. That's what we know. That's our confidence builder. If you dream of a time when the earth will be free of evil and justice and will be perfect and people will be good through and through, then hang on to that dream because one day it will be a reality because we know God wins. Jesus reappears. My Jesus rules and the great day is coming when he will come again to judge the living and the dead and all will be well once and for all. 
Our message to the world, my dear friends, is simply this. God has started something big in this world, and you may not like it. You may even laugh at it. You may think it's insignificant and try to ignore it, but you cannot stop it. Someday, God is going to close the last page in his history book, and the trumpet will sound, and then the only important question will be, whose side are you on? Decide now because it will be too late then. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and eternal God, your Son, our Savior, is with you in eternal glory. He is Lord. Give us faith to see that true to his promise, he is among us still and will be with us to the end of time when we will see him in his glory face to face. In his name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you, and he will. May he go before you to show you the way behind you, to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has helped you better understand Jesus' ascension and its truth to comfort you with the knowledge that one day Jesus will return and we will live free of our earthly cares in Him. Christian Crusaders has been blessed throughout our 82-year history with generous and faithful listeners who have supported this ministry with their prayers and financial gifts. If you enjoyed today's program and are in a position to do so, we ask you to consider making a contribution to this ministry so we can continue to grow and serve our listeners with the good news of Jesus Christ across the globe. Gifts can be directed to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. 
Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to proclaiming the unadulterated word of Jesus Christ to our world. If you know someone who might enjoy Christian Crusaders, please tell them about this program. They can find out more about this ministry as well as listen anytime from anywhere in the world on www.christiancrusaders.org. Or feel free to contact us by mail or by phone. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.